Hello, hello. Welcome to this week's episode of Sophie's Choice Murder and Mystery Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Mike. And I'm Sophie. And it's just the two of us because Gabby's got a life. No I'm kidding. <laughs> we all have lives, but. <laughs> some more entertaining than others some days. I'm not saying whose is whose, but you and I are here, which means that, you know, we're having more fun than Gabby right now, right? <laughs> she might be having fun at a. She's at a three-year-old birthday party. <laughs> oh, all right. That's fair. <laughs> That's a good point. Those are pretty entertaining ordeals. Uh, I remember my three-year-old birthday party. Do you actually? Just a little bit. What uh, the fuck? You had, like, it was forming like, memories then? No, it was, like, right on my... Like, that's one of my first... Memories? Conscious memories. Whoa. Is at my three-year-old birthday party, I was kneeling at, like, on a chair, leaning over to blow out the candles for the cake, and I remember having a sharp crumb underneath one of my knees, and I could feel a slight pain. Whoa. <laughs> that's it. That's one of my first memories. Holy crap. Yeah. That's, wow. don't really remember the, anything else throughout the day. I just remember that I told people that, that in the past. So that may or may not be true, but that's the memory oh that I have. Oh, my gosh. Actually, sensory things like that, like pain, smell... Mm -hmm tastes those help us like retain memories oh yeah my, one of my earliest memories i guess was my oma who actually just passed away rest in peace oma yeah rest in peace oma she had red carpet mm -hmm. obnoxiously on her stairs and mm -hmm. i remember scraping my knee on a carpet burn on her carpet yeah. and then sitting afterwards mm -hmm. and then my mom wanting me to take a picture but i think i like reflected back on that when i was 12 and my mother was like Oh my God, how do you remember that? And I was like, right. I just remember red carpet, this bright red carpet. And then she pulled out a picture yeah. and showed me standing in the doorway. I was like leaning against the doorway, but there was red carpet. And then you could barely see the stairs out of the corner of mm -hmm. the picture. But I was like, holy yeah, shit. It's kind of interesting that the things that end up triggering some memories for us. It's pain. It's very, <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> a boo boo. It's a very intriguing science. It is. Into. It is. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Okay, so this week, I'm sorry, this is our first serial killer. Ooh. Are you ready? Ba, ba, ba. Yeah. Ba, da. Ba, ba, ba. Ba, da. Ba, 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 ba. I knew you would lighten the mood. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. Are you uh, saying that serial killers can't be funny? Mm, they definitely can. You think so? Yeah. In what way? In that I find it funny that... Ted Bundy drove a buggy? Sure. I find it funny <laughs> that um, people can be so messed up sometimes that they think that stuff like this is okay. Ooh. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's yeah. not funny as in ha-ha. Yeah. It's funny as in, like, it's it's mind-boggling. Yes. Like It's just, it's out of my realm of thought processing. I, I can't out of imagine. Normal people who aren't psychopaths 
realm of reality. Right. Yeah. It's just so out <laughs> yeah. of the norm. It's it's kind of like, ha ha, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's like that um, uncomfortable laugh and you have when someone reveals <laughs> like a Christ. secret mistress at someone's funeral. Oh! Um, <laughs> yeah. Holy fuck. You can't. You can't help but laugh. It's just so uncomfortable. But it's not, just so it's uncomfortable. A, it's not a funny situation. It's just a. You know, I get what you mean. Yeah, that kind of a reaction to situations like that. So excluding. Nope. Just kidding. Sorry. I don't know why I put that in here. I was going to say <laughs> excluding a couple weeks ago episode when we did an episode in Indonesia because I scripted it so long ago. But oh, New Zealand. We did Lardic's Castle a couple weeks ago, which oh, it was yeah. just Gabby and I. But yeah, yeah. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> We did. They didn't even tell me they were doing it. They just sent me the pictures and like, hey, this is the story for this week. Oh, cool castle. Cool like, castle. Cool yeah. fucking castle. Cool castle. But I, yeah, I picked out that castle months ago and I was so excited about it. But yeah. <laughs> anyway, the rest of our cases for... I want to talk about the castle. I want to talk Sorry. about the castle. <laughs> no, I'll do another castle upset. for you. I'm not actually upset. I'm really happy that they were actually, uh, able to find the time for themselves to record that episode <laughs> and still get it out to uh, you guys, the listeners. It was, it's a positive thing Aww. for all of us. <laughs> Good. For the Keep up the good work. Thanks, Mike. That's why this threesome triple triplet. There we go. Sure. <laughs> I was yeah. like, I don't like that word. Um, the threesome's a, a fine word. Oh, okay. This is why this threesome works. Mm-hmm. If one of us doesn't. Or trio. There trio. we go. That's yeah. the word I was looking for. A trio. That's why this trio works. For the remaining month of December, I picked cases that are in really cold fucking places. So. It's getting us in the mood. Yeah. Oh man, that's horrible. That's horrible. Why would you do something like that? At the last pharmacy job I had, I did have a coworker who was from Russia. I don't think she listens to the podcast because she's a very nice lady. But anyway, Natalia, she tried to teach me Russian in the pharmacy because we occasionally had Russian (laughs) patients. But anyway, bear with me because I'm only a unit one Duolingo learner. And she only taught oh, me man. bad words and like oh, nice. splissiva or like Nostrovia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that was really good. Nice. Wait, what does that mean? That's like cheers. Oh, Proviet, which means hello. There you go. So yeah, and I think oh, they have I don't want to say they have funny letters. They have different letters. They have yes. like ten extra oh, yeah. characters. Yeah, they, they have a different alphabet. Yeah, it's so cool. But it's like it e, is really cool. e da pro e da pro. Projavovish. Okay, that whole thing is supposed to mean welcome. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk murders. Insert Russian for welcome here. Insert yeah. Russian. Yes, that exactly. <laughs> that's what I'm doing in yeah, the next foreign, meant to foreign say. episode. Yeah, if, um, if we do say the wrong word and... If I, I offend guess, you yeah. in your <laughs> home language. It uh, was horrible. We didn't mean that. I we did, meant welcome. I we meant mean positive to. thing. Oh, God. That <laughs> reminds me of an, when I worked at... I worked at you told us this story last week. What? You told us this story last week at CVS where asshole and something mean the same thing. Oh, no. I was going to say a girl had watched me do ASL sign language to a deaf patient once. Oh, and instead okay. of doing thank you, yeah. she did fuck, fuck you. you. And, that's, and he looked yep. so offended. And I rushed over and I was like, no, she means like, thank you. And I touched my yeah. chin and went back and forth. And yep. she was like, what? I did exactly what you did. And I was like, ooh, girlfriend. <laughs> Slight, Small difference. Slight, slight difference. Small difference. Big change. <laughs> oh, God. So let's talk murders because Sophie's choice this week is the Butcher of Rostov, also known as the Rostov Ripper, a.k.a. the sick, sadistic serial killer Andrei 
Chikatilo. He does sound pretty sick. Uh, all the way from Russia. All the way from Russia. All the, the Russian way from Russia. serial killer. All the way from Russia. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I put shit in my ear about my coworker, but I already talked about her. Cool. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> So, Russia. Although mostly known for their stereotypes of brown bears wearing the cute little funny hats and drinking vodka. Which my coworker told me she was not aware that that's a thing. Like, that's a thing that people think of when they think of Russia. Is like bears and... Bears and walking. vodka. Yeah, yeah, bears and vodka and the bears hats. Bears and vodka and the hats. Yep. She was like... Because <laughs> she had asked me something about my mother. And I was like, oh, is that like... I was like, yeah, that's a common stereotype, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, just like for you guys, bears and and vodka. And she was like, wait, what? And this is not thing. This is not- <laughs> she was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, you know how it's like common knowledge yeah. that bears supposedly walk your sidewalks and you guys all love vodka. And she's like, I don't really like vodka. And I was yeah. like, wait, what? Why is it a thing? And she's are like, are you Russian? I don't know. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> So yeah, so I didn't. Please, if we get any Russian listeners, let us know if this is not a lie. Yeah, there are common stereotypes out there across the world that yeah. are very not true. And then at the same time, there are some pretty funny ones that are kind of true about all kinds of different cultures, including Americans. We have uh, some pretty funny stereotypes that we have to admit to. McDonald's every true. every five minutes. We eat a lot of food. We do think that they, we're uh, we do eat a lot know, of food. We're pretty great, and a lot of people in our country are you know cheering for. For number one, but you know, sometimes <laughs> it's sometimes it's uh, it's pretty fun to have you know home team pride, so that's nice. Uh, but um, that yeah. is a, that is a very American thing. Even like flying different flags and stuff. Um, oh. I was I think I was hearing a story about Germans and German pride, and oh. they they only bring out the German flags and fly the German flags mm-hmm. around the time of the World Cup. Oh, okay? the you know football or soccer football. See, there you go. See, yeah, see. Not, oh, I thought you not said in Spanish. I thought not you yes. said see, yes. like no. yeah. See, like you know, with your eyes. Yes, observe. <laughs> but they're, you know, and and they bring out their uh, German flags, and they're like, yeah, Germany is number one. Great, rah rah rah. And yeah. then the World Cup ends, and they put the flags away. Oh. And then they wait another couple of years until the next World Cup. And then bring the flags back out. And they're like, yeah, we're number one. Great. Cute. And then they put the flags away. Cute. Years, right? <laughs> so in America, for those countries that don't know or for you know, Americans, listeners here, they can also admit that American pride and displaying our country's flag all over the place mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. is a very common practice here. It is. Yeah. And so then the other parts of the world might see us as prideful or arrogant or whatever else. Yeah, and my mother says, yeah, arrogant. Arrogant. Cocky. See? Right. Uh, and yeah. my response Rude. is, you know, they're just jealous. USA! <laughs> 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 yeah, USA! Exactly. Anyways, my point being that, yes, there are all kinds of different stereotypes, either are true or not true, uh, all over the world. And so if we are talking about some stereotypes around the world that we do get incorrect, we encourage the um, the learning that we can do by by some of our out of country or our, our foreign listeners. I wouldn't. I was going to say international. Ah, that's a better word. Some of our international listeners can come on and share some of the stereotypes you might have about us Americans, as well as you can correct or adjust some of the stereotypes, or tell us which ones are, are true or not, or tell um, us where they came from. Yeah. Why, why are they a stereotype true. when they're not true? Yes, I'm. I'm all about the the learning and educating the masses. We're all about the learning. Yes. 
So the legal, okay, I didn't know this. I thought this was cool. The legal official name of the country is actually the Russian Federation. Mm. Did you know that? I thought it was just Russia. I know that, I, I know about USSR, but that's it. Yeah. It changed over. Me too. But, uh, Russian Federation. It sounds mm. so official. I mean, I think there's also China. It's not actually China. Ooh, I think I have heard that actually. Yep. It's yeah. something else. It's, um. <laughs> that's it. The Republic of China or something. Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> We'll find out when I do a Chinese case. Or the Rosakaya Federacy. Oh, yeah. It's always changing, so I can never keep up. So, again, I, I mean well, but I, I don't always know what your country's called. I uh, don't. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Sorry. Russia is the largest country in the world. Duh. And blows Minnesota out of the water, literally, coming in with 2.8 million lakes. We're out of the snow. We're out of the... Yeah, that too. Mm-hmm. Their official language is Russian. Water was the correct... Of course. For yeah. the lakes thing. Did you like I, that pun? I jumped the gun on that one. That was good. <laughs> that was nicely done. Thank you. Yeah. I thought you'd like the dad joke thrown in. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Always <laughs> up for a dad joke. As I said, unit one Duolingo Russian learner here. So if I offend you by mispronunciating your guys' Russian names, please don't come at me. I'm, I'm sorry. Their currency is the ruble. And the funny hat on the bear is actually called an Ushanka. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I'm just saying it exactly how it looks. And they are actually quite warm and practical, made from Arctic fox, rabbit, and mink, and they are really soft. And my favorite Russian fact is that although Alaska was the first to be vocal and popularize husky sled teams, silly Americans. (laughs) Russia is the homeland of the Siberian husky and bred by the indigenous Chukchini people of Siberia. They bred them to love the pole. And I have three... And I've trained two out of my three huskies myself to pull my toddler in a sled or a wagon. So I can definitely vouch for the for the pulling. So that's where the name Siberian Husky comes from. (laughs) (laughs) And 007 is the dialing code for Russia. And this I thought was. Yeah. Isn't that cool? More singing along. That was supposed to be James Bond theme song yeah i got you anyone didn't get that (laughs) and this is going to be gab's favorite fact when she listens back on the episode but ice skating was actually invented here huh so starting on a high note and uh all downhill from here yeah it's gonna be all right because it is messy as fuck grab your sleds really sorry all righty you guys ready jumping right in andre romanovich chikatilo was born October 16th, 1936. And I have to say this case was hard to research because I don't read or speak Russian. And oddly enough, a lot of the articles were in Spanish. I don't know what that's about. But anyway, so I did have to scourge through like the Sun articles, which I don't love because they're kind of a tabloid. But anyway, I do kind of constrict these like I do my college English papers. So there's a reason of the order of things. But anyway, okay. According to Biography Newsletter, he was born in the heart of Ukraine, which during the 1930s was known as the, quote, bread basket of the Soviet Union. Because they like carbs. I'm kidding. Sure, that's exactly why. (laughs) Do you know why they're actually called the bread basket? This is the one history thing that I do know. Oh, I thought I did. I've heard that term before. Go ahead. It is weird. Okay, so they were the highest producers of wheat. Right. Of that area. Yeah. So they're called the bread. Isn't that cute? Okay. The bread basket of the Neat. Soviet Union. That's a fun fact. I know. According to a 2018 viral news article, as the USSR entered World War II, this brought on a hardship and famine to the population. And Andre's father was drafted into the Red Army, which the Red Army during World War II was kind of like 
compiled of workers and peasants. It was like the, what do you call it? The militia. Well, no, that's not right. Militia is a like a civilian kind of. A, I guess it's would it be a militia? militia? Yeah, that's a militia. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Which left his already poor and famined family to suffer at the hands of Nazis at home, unfortunately. Andre and his mother even for- were forced to watch their own hut burn down and they were left with nothing. His mother, Anna, would fabricate, sorry, Anna, I'm, yeah. I'm assuming, would fabricate fictitious stories of how before him, he had once had an older brother, Stefan, but because everyone was living off grass and leaves to stave off hunger, neighbors had actually captured his brother, took him to the woods, where Stefan was later cannibalized by the starving neighbors. I would have moved. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Sorry, I was thinking, I was going back to the uh, militia point and thinking about that a little bit more. And then I heard cannibalized. And you were like, wait, what? Like, wait, what? <laughs> uh, yeah. The point that I was going to make is that I, I do believe that a militia is all voluntary. And right. I don't know if the Red Army was through volu- uh, volunteers. I doubt it. I believe that there was, I, I think, not I believe, I think most likely it was a draft type situation. Correct me if I'm wrong. But My sources said he was drafted, drafted into the Red Army. Okay, all right. So there was a draft. So just like we had during World War II, mm-hmm. just like we had during the Vietnam War that we haven't had since, thankfully. Mm-hmm. But World War II, World War One, Korea, and Vietnam, we all had drafts Yep. for all that. So thankfully, we've been able to uphold a 100% volunteer force since then. But uh, Woo. the drafts are always taxing on the local economy as well as on the interior security of any country. I wonder if the Red Army, just because my sources like really specified that it was only workers and peasants, if it's like a lesser, like I hate to say frontline cannon fodder kind of an army. Do you think that's what it was? That's up for uh, some debate. A lot of the soldiers that we had during all those wars Mm -hmm. were also, you know, workers and peasants and and whatever else you want to consider. Um, But ultimately they, they still receive professional military training. Mm-hmm. They are not necessarily career soldiers, but just like even in the, like Roman times, I'm digging this up from Roman history, but also from partially the movie movie Gladiator, uh, which Never is based on <laughs> based on ru- real Roman generals and lore, mm-hmm. not necessarily the story in Gladiator. But is that that this is Sparta and then he kicks him in the? No, that's, oh, okay. that's 300. Uh, <laughs> but uh, my point being that uh, the one of the biggest generals in Rome's history mm-hmm. was and saw himself as a farmer who you know, became a soldier mm. rather than as a warrior or as a soldier or as whatever else. He saw himself as a farmer. Sure. Um, yes, I would say they are less trained than a career soldier would be. Okay. But unfortunately, that was the time constraint that they had. Um, and so they trained them to their best abilities. Do you want me to back up to when the brother was eaten? I would rather not. Um, <laughs> just okay. continue on. So the um, the soldiers went off to war, left the interior unprotected. Mm-hmm. I got that part. And then ultimately the neighbors were starving and ended up eating the his brother. Yep, his older okay. brother. But that was before his time. Okay. Which... What do you mean before his time? His mother told him that he used to have an older brother before oh, he was even born. Okay. Yeah. Before he was in existence, which I, which I have to say, I, I just would have moved. Like, truly, the grass is greener on the other side. If they're already eating grass and leaves, go somewhere else to eat the grass. You don't have to eat the but kid. I mean, you're not going to 
predict that someone would go to those lengths. Oh, because Lord. you're probably starving as well, and you're not having those thoughts. Holy or maybe it was shit. just you know a competition to see who would go, who would snap first. Oh, why the child? He's got no meat on him. Because he was the easiest to kill, the oh, weakest of the herd. That's sad. No? There, okay, here is the fucked up part, though. There wasn't anything to corroborate on a story back then or now. Oh, okay. No proof of Stefan ever being born or ever even existing. So it's just widely believed that Anna was just a sick, sick fucking bitch who said, yes, who said Dang. crazy shit to her kid. Well, I mean, we just talked about oh, that's uh, fucked. the Christmas witch Ugh. eating children. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. story that parents would tell children. <laughs> This is true. There was probably a point to her telling her son this. Oh, my God. Even Wikipedia admits that this has never been established to actually have occurred. Since his father was away, Andre would share a bed with his mother, and unfortunately, he was a chronic bedwetter. Anna, instead of being compassionate, would react in a fit of rage and would belittle and abuse her son for every one of these incidents. Hmm. With what will probably be my most exciting source I've used to date, in my psychology class, we read an article from the Child Psychologist Today... It was about why fostered and adopted children wet and soiled the bed, but I really think it applies here too. Mostly for all serial killers, because it is considered one of the quote-unquote traits. What is it called? The the triad? The th- oh, you-, you know more about serial killers <clears throat> than I do. It's like yeah. the three signs that you're whatever, a kid will be a serial killer. Oh, Wedding, okay. Bedwetting, cruelty to animals. Oh, setting fires. That's the third one. Oh. Pyromaniacs. I was just like, what the fuck Ooh. is the third one? People who get turned on just by starting fires or whatever uh, yep pyros <laughs> yeah pyros yeah. but i really think it applies i mean i like fire i just you know but i don't wet the bed or mistreat animals so you don't yeah not killing the neighbor's dog i hope <laughs> not even close okay good they state quote there is a possible link between urinating the bed and childhood trauma childs who have been neglected example or like left in soiled diapers too long for a period of time. Others who have severe punishments for accidents instead of receiving care and attention and encouragement to master the bathroom end up having more accidents, end quote. Like, we'll, we'll be covering a case later in January, but like Genevi- John Benet Ramsey, whose kids, kids who receive horrible reactions when they have an accident... We also learned there is a connection between your... Amygdala. Amygdala. Or, or, no. Um, is that how you say I it? was the Abdul Oblongata. Amygdala? Amygdala. Is that how you say it? I'm not a biology major. <laughs> we just learned yeah. that in Psych 2. Which part of the brain was it? <laughs> There's a couple of different ones. We'll go with that. What does this part of the brain do, Sophie? It... Amygdala. I think that's right. Oh, it is amygdala. Okay. Anyway. I was just like, I don't want to keep talking about it if I'm going to sound like an idiot. It, this part of your brain accesses how impactful an emotion will be to form an impressionable memory. Like what we were saying, actually, ironically, at the beginning of the episode, the crumb, the pain you associated on your knee with the crumb and my my leg with the carpet burn is more likely to make a memory stick in your brain mm-hmm. as opposed to like some something yeah. that's just in passing. Yep. Which, similar to Inside Out, the cute little Disney movie. Yeah. That's a core memory. It is a it is a core memory. Yeah. That that is an oddly accurate kids movie, actually. Oh, I just have movie. to say, it is really fucking movie. accurate. Yeah. When I was going through my psychology class, I was like, oh my god, this is just like Inside Out. Mm-hmm. This is just like Inside Out. A connection from that to your bladder as a as a sense of, well, I can't control the abuse. I can't control this either. 
that's kind of peeing. That's kind of has a good sound effect. Thanks. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. That's why kids, you'll often see like kids who are being sexually abused. That's why they start wetting the bed Mm. is because, okay, I can't control this sexual abuse. Yeah. Mm. I can't control the situation that's happening to me. So my bladder is something that in a sense the kid can control. So they choose to, no, sorry. I didn't say that right. Is also an uncontrollable. So even if they were potty trained before, mm-hmm. they'll just start losing control yeah. of their bladder afterwards. But we just started this chapter of this guy's life. So again, from my 2018 viral news article, in 1943, Anna gave birth to a baby girl named Tatiana. But since at this point in time, his father was held captive during the war, it's theorized that Anna was raped, unfortunately, by a German soldier, as was common in that time in her husband's absence and that perhaps little Andre witnessed this horrific event. I think, I think we might be grasping at straws here, people to kind of explain how he becomes this monster. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I don't. it's just some theories. That I know. Yeah. yeah. And that so. is the fascination of why people like me are interested in true crime to begin with is like the psychological <laughs> background of like how, what made you do ABCD and then like have right. no, qualms with it i guess i don't know like how are you how are you sleeping at night after you do the horrific things that you do Mm. i guess but kind of trying to pinpoint what made him a homicidal maniac so when as they were growing up there was an incident where his sister tatiana was 11 at this point in time andre is 17 he jumped on his little sister's friend when they were walking home and she was kind of like what the fuck they wrestled on the ground and he ejaculated while she was still trying to get free, like in his pants. And after that, he was made fun of a lot at school. I don't know. Fuck. Sorry. Did I say because of that? You were at the point uh, where he was going to ejaculated in his pants. He ejaculated in his pants. Okay. Sorry. That. (laughs) We were at the point where he ejaculated in his pants. Yeah. So that's. He got there a little fast. Yeah. it, It was fast. It went from zero to hundred real fucking quick. <laughs> right. The reason that that's that incident is worth noting is because he, because of that incident, which I'm sorry, I don't want to be mean, but he naturally got bullied all throughout the rest of high school for this incident. Right. Which kids are mean. And, <laughs> kids- you know, sometimes it's something like that that you can't <laughs> control physically. And there are plenty of embarrassing stories out there of, Things you didn't expect to set you off would set you off. But, no, uh, I feel so bad for him. Yeah. Only at this point in time. Yeah. God. I feel bad for young him that... You know, young him. <laughs> in his pants. He just in his pants. So Andre served in the military from 1957 to 1960, as he did not initially get into the one and only university he applied to. You're kind of putting your eggs in one basket there, dude. Oh, you know what you want. You go for it. Oh, yeah, sure. Okay, that's true. He was even assigned to serve as a... KGB communications unit in East oh. Berlin for some time. Isn't that cool? It's intense. Secret agent man. Hmm. Upon completing this mission, no, sorry, not this mission, I guess this job, he returned to his family farm and was working alongside his father. Here is when he started a three month relationship with his first girlfriend, which ended as he nice. could not maintain an erection, <laughs> which is what she ran around and told everybody. Oh, which is, oh, that's They just didn't wrestle enough. Oh God. oh God! Oh God! Oh, I don't know. Like, I feel like as a woman, you 
you joke or you like, you know, talk shit about dick size or whatever. I don't know. I would do that. Tell people that he couldn't get an erection. That's kind of like, that's kind of private. I would feel yep. bad. Yep. yep. But she didn't. And <laughs> that sucks. Not cool. Not cool. Yeah. <laughs> so their relationship didn't work out. That's that makes sense. Oh, God. After which he unfortunately tried to attempt suicide. Whew. But she still ended the relationship. Hmm. In 1961, he relocated outside of Rostov, and his sister even came to live with him for six months until she married a local. She stated there was nothing odd about her brother's lifestyle other than he was shy around women. She even resolved to help her own brother find a wife and start a family. In 1963, his little sister introduced him to Fyodosa Odnakiva. I Americanized the fuck You're out of that. You're getting better and better at these names, but... Are you joking? Yes. Um, you, my tip, and this is what a lot of, it, it will absolutely Americanize mm -hmm. your, um, your pronunciation of names. Mm -hmm. uh, say it loud and proud. Just go with it. Go with it. No okay. matter what it is. All right. Okay, go with it. It'll make the story move along. We can get corrected later. Yes, that does make us sound a little more arrogant. Tis the American way. We'll state right now that uh, we are butchering some of, some of these names, but to move along the story. That's true. The pronunciation of the name is. Good point. I'm just going to push forward and I'm sorry it sucks from the top. There you go. I'm just going to go forward. Thank you, Mike, mm -hmm. for encouraging me. And barely two weeks later, they were wed. Chikatilo would later claim his sex life was minimal, but his wife understood he couldn't get an erection and they agreed to create their family, so to speak. He would ejaculate and then push his semen in with his fingers into her vagina. That's, That's a way to do it. I didn't know that that would actually physically work, but well, I mean, two years later, she had a daughter. You have, uh, what's it called? IVS? In vitro fertilization, IVF? IVF? IVF. Yeah, but you yeah. got that long-ass tube thing. and you're Well, like, that, that's just the better way to do it, but you can definitely get oh. someone pregnant by just, you know, shoving it up there. Oh, God. I mean, what is what is what does a dick do but the same thing yeah that's true okay yep you but your fingers can't okay anyway i mean it, you know projects it up there but like, <laughs> oh still, god i don't know he pushed it far enough and i guess they it worked they so. they did it they did yeah. the damn thing so their daughter's name was lika Mila, and four years later they had a son named yuri in 1964 he enrolled in the rostov university and in 1970 he got a degree in russian lit and philosophy which i thought was very interesting considering mm. what he does later in life he began his teaching career in the fall of that year but due to his students constantly mocking him and his inability to maintain discipline in his classrooms his teaching was deemed completely ineffective bummer dude <laughs> he's just having a rough go at it. i know <laughs> this poor guy only at this point in time he claimed students took advantage of his modest nature, but little did they know there was a sick fucking monster inside this man. In May of 1973, Chikatilo committed his first known sexual assault. He was swimming with one of his 15-year-old students, groped her breasts and genitals, and then ejaculated in the pool as she struggled away. Sorry, I almost puked when I had to write. Mike is giving me a look like I want to throw up. It gets so much worse. I almost puked when I had to write this. And this was before I typed my scripts. So I'm really sorry. It's not cool, man. No, it's not. Oh, God. And that is why teachers are not allowed in the water with their students. And I'm kidding. I don't know if they are or not. It's called the serial killer rule. Oh, God. Yeah. It's called the, the serial killer standard. Rule. What does that mean? It means you're not allowed to swim with the students. <laughs> oh, what? God. What? 
Wait, what? Yeah, and you have to sign this form that you won't get in the water. No swimmers in the pool, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Oh, ew. <laughs> oh, God. Do you think uh, they have to drain the whole pool? At- oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Or, I, I don't know. It was... Oh, gross. Okay. So later he would keep a student after class under the pretense of speaking to them about a homework assignment. You can imagine her horror when he locked, beat her, and sexually assaulted her. No discipline was received for either incident. When fellow coworkers observed him masturbating when in the presence of students, Mike is like, I hate that I stayed for this specific story and Gabby is not here. Yeah. Put your fucking disgusting dick away. Why are you doing that? That's Vidanya. You're fucking fired. (laughs) One responsibility of his was to check students into the dorms at night, but he would instead like to make sure that they were actually in their dorms and sleeping. But instead he would sneak in hoping to see the young girls getting undressed, which led to him sneaking in public bathrooms and purchasing gum to initiate conversation with the young girls, which is... You're saying there were no repercussions for any of this? No. Co-workers were even Damn, noticing dude. him. Like, yes. Why is the school being so tolerant? <laughs> Finally, complaints piled up. And in December of 1973, the school gave him an ultimatum. But he discreetly left and went to another school. Which I thought was weird because should the first school report this sexual conduct to the next employer i mean they should have fired him right off the get-go oh yeah the first incident the pool it's um, yes the stories that are spun that are either you know the he said she said kind of stories now that we look back on it we can see pinpoint yeah yeah yeah. but But back in the 70s it it muddles it up a little bit kind of like the water was um gross and going from school to school there may not have been believable reports or he would have said you know they treated me poorly and i reported them to something so they're giving me bad marks and it's not true and you know again like it was the 70s yeah you could get away with that shit so at his new school he worked there from january of 1947 to september of 1978 so four fucking years it also could have been like a teacher shortage situation oh that's true he did get fired but only due to cutbacks oh in the same month Andre was laid off, he lured nine-year-old Yelena Zakotnova. I couldn't I couldn't uh, read my own handwriting there for a second. And also I love that name. To home he had secretly purchased. He attempted to rape her, but as he was impotent, he became frustrated. He choked her, stabbed her three times, then ejaculated on her body while he was stabbing her. He threw her in a nearby Oh, fuck, dude. Uh, I know, it gets so much worse. I'm sorry. He Uh, threw her body in a nearby Grushevka River. People say penetration does it for him. That's not what they meant. Oh! Yeah, no, yes. Oh, I just did it. I just did the Minnesota thing. Yeah, no, yes. Yes! Oh, God. Despite the compelling evidence the police had, which included eyewitness account, blood in front of the secret house... And the backpack in the bank river at the end of the secret house's street, another eyewitness at the bus stop who described Andre talking to Yelena, as well as the killer had type AB blood, which we got to think back. This is the 70s. So they could only like type it. They couldn't. Full DNA. Yes. Thank you. I was like, what am I trying to say? They turned to nearby 25 year old Alexander Kravchenko, who had previously had a rape charge. Mm. And because the killer had type AB blood, when they took blood from Alexander and his wife, 
Alexander matched that blood type of AB. And Chikatilo had type A blood, although they weren't looking at him at this point in time. Andre's wife gave him such an ironclad alibi, and this enabled him to continue with crimes. Because police were so hot to convict Alexander, this turned their heat onto him instead. As a result of pressure and brutal interrogation from police force, Alexander, his wife, and her friend were forced to retract their alibi for Alexander, with the implication that if they didn't, they would be charged as accomplices. He was arrested and under duress confessed to the crime he did not commit. This is the tragic part. I mean, part one of the whole tragedy of the story. But in 1984, Alexander was actually executed for a crime committed by somebody else. Dang. Yeah. I I I actually had to take a break during this story and move on to a different script that we, that we were going to cover. Because I was so upset that he was actually executed, like not just sitting on what we have here in the States as death row for years and years and years. He was actually killed for a crime he didn't commit. And he maintained like he did not, that he was I innocent. Mean, there are uh, different accounts of death row inmates yes, maintaining their there innocence. are. Yes, there are. And whether or not some of those men uh, and women are innocent or... yeah. You know, whatever else. I just wasn't used to like them actually being executed here in the state. I mean, there are people on death row and there are people in American history who have been executed, but like, oh, so quickly. It's just like, it's really The reports sad. of it are often hidden away. That Yeah, that too. <laughs> I haven't even gotten into the thick of the victims, so. Oi. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Oi, babe. Perhaps because of this close call with police, Chikatilo kind of laid low for the next three years with the sexual assault charges still hmm. following him from... His previous teaching jobs, he chilled it with the sexual assault and the murder, obviously. Ah, good plan. (laughs) It was impossible, thankfully, for him to get another teaching job. So for now, he took a clerk job for raw materials in Rostov, where the travel aspect of the job, unfortunately, gave him a wide range of young victims from all over for the next nine years. So nine years. I know. And now we're getting into the thick of the sauce. Nine-year-old Larissa Trochenko. Nope. <laughs> 17-year-old Larissa Trochenko. Oh. What the fuck? Oh, I've had nine girl. years. Sorry. Yeah. Was the next victim on September 3rd of 1981. Chikatilo strangled her, stabbed her, gagged her with dirt leaves, all to prevent her from crying out. Nine months after the attack of Larissa, he lured 13-year-old Lubov Beruk on his way home purchasing vegetables they walked together until they reached some bushes, which she shoved her in, attacked her, stabbed her, imitated intercourse, it said. But the Emmy examined 22 knife wounds to the head, neck, chest, and pelvic region and slashes to her eyes, which for psychologists is later very telling. What? Yeah, that's bad. It. Yeah, you're going to get mad. Just, I don't like it. I know. I'm sorry. The brutal force he was growing to need to obtain his sexual release began to escalate, like with the slashing and stabbing. Right. So with this escalating, he developed a pattern that focuses on young runaways of both sexes, unfortunately. Befriending them at train stations, bus stops, before luring them into forest areas or recluded areas, where he would attack them, attempt rape, but because he's impotent, he's not able to penetrate. And then he would use the knife to mutilate the body, mostly slashing the eyes. In a number of cases, he would eat the sex organs, and others, it would just be the tips of noses or tongues. Yeah, I'm sorry. What is this guy on? I don't know. I really, truly don't know. I think, okay, I know there's a lot of talk of being sensitive to, like, sociopath or psychopath labeling, 
But this guy is a fucking psychopath. I think kind of messed up in the head. He's a little bit. Uh, he's got a he's got a screw or five or twenty loose. Does he have any screws left? Yeah, that's a good question. Jeez. Probably no. In his earliest cases, he would slash their eyes or remove altogether, as he stated he later believed they kept an imprint of his face in their eyes even after death. That's actually a a Roman Folklore, Roman yeah. Jesus Christ, not Roman Russian <laughs> belief. Okay, wrong part of the world. At this point in time, serial killers were virtually an unheard of thing in the Soviet Union. Taking it one step further, evidence of serial killing, child abuse, or anything of that nature was sometimes suppressed by state-controlled media as to not create panic in the public. I would want to know. I'm sorry. As someone who has a cute kid, I would want to fucking know. I want you to make me panic. But the government doesn't want you to know. That's the point. I know, but I'd be like... You have a choice in the matter in state-controlled media. You don't. Hide your kids. Hide your eyes. Yeah. The eye mutilation became the number one MO or for our seasoned murderies. Some will know that as the modus operandi in case you didn't know. I did not know that. Oh, really? Oh, modus operandi. Yeah. Yeah, No, did not know that. (laughs) Which was distinct enough for some of the cases to be linked. And when this became apparent, the Soviet authorities had finally to admit that they had a serial killer. Oddly enough, despite the lack of media coverage, what was covered was that there was some gray hair found and AB blood. According to a Biography News article, rumors started to circulate of a werewolf attacks, actually. That's what was first Ooh. printed in the media. Because well, everybody knows that werewolves have AB blood. <laughs> right? No, I don't know why a, they came to that conclusion. I'm assuming with like the slashing and... I maybe. don't know. Or maybe yeah. it was strictly maybe just was, the gray hair and no, the blood. Maybe it was just the fact that they didn't want to believe that An a actual human being could do this. Be that yeah, sick. So it had to be a beast. It had to be a monster, which is sometimes the reason why stories like that start. Oh, that's true. That's very true. Mm-hmm. On December 11th, 1982, Chikatilo encountered 10-year-old girl named Olga Stalmashanok riding a bus to her parents' home. He pursued her to leave the bus with him, last being seen by fellow bus rider who stated they saw a middle-aged man leading her away firmly by the hand. Chikatilo lured her to a cornfield, stab her in excess of 50-plus times. Oh, those parts so fucking gross. He opened her chest and removed her lower intestines and uterus. In 1983, a Moscow detective, Major Mikhail Festov, and assigned special forensic analysis, Viktor Burakov, were able to loosely link four cases together and were finally able to recognize they had a serial killer on the loose. The investigation focused on already known sex offenders and mentally ill, but interrogations in prisons often led to false confessions, so nothing fruitful came of that. Progress was slow, between the MO consistency and true blood connection was unknown. Police weren't initially able to connect all the dots. Chikatilo's six-month lull didn't help speed the investigation along either. However, on June of 19... 19- like a vacation? Yeah. God. I don't know. However, in June of 1983, he murdered 15-year-old Armenian girl named Laura Sarkisian. Oh, butchered that. She was found close to an unmarked railway platform near... Saki. By September, he had killed five more victims. Due to the sheer savagery of the murders, investigators actually thought it could have been a group of cult-like Satanists or black market organ snatchers or simply just a group of mentally ill. Right. I mean, just trying trying to rationalize. Right. Trying to explain. Yes. Who could be that that they couldn't imagine one sick fucking person could do this shit. Right. 
They were convinced their killer had to be a known pedophile, convicted sex offender, or previously hospitalized mentally ill patient. As a result of pursuing Chikatilo, more than 1,000 unrelated crimes, including 95 murders, 140 aggravated assaults, and 245 rapes were solved as a result of pursuing Chikatilo, which is one small, small, small positive thing that came out of this. Right. On October 30th of 1983, the eviscerated body of 19-year-old prostitute, sorry, or sex worker, Vera Shevkun, was found in Shakti. Although it would later be determined she had been murdered October 27th, two months later, December 27th, 14-year-old schoolboy Sergei Markov was lured off a train station, murdered at a rural station in Novakirsk, Kasik, his testicles had been removed, and he had received over 70 stab wounds. To oh, the n- I felt that. Uh, the testicles or the 70 stab wounds? The testicles. Yep. To his neck and upper torso before being disemboweled. Like, ugh, too, too much. Too much. He escalates a lot here in 1984, and I know it's a lot of dates and names, but with so many of his victims, well, like... Not so many. A lot of them are identified, but with like a good handful of them being unidentified, I did want to name the few that were able to have their names given. In January and February of 1984, he murdered two unnamed women in Rostov Park of Aviators. On March 24th, he lured a 10-year-old boy named Dmitry Patishkinov away from a stamp kiosk. Can you imagine? In Novashanktisk. Like, this little boy's probably buying stamps for his mom and like... Or he's collecting them or something. Yeah. Uh, just, something like, so innocent. Like several witnesses saw Chikatilo with Dimitri and investigators were labeled, later able to collect both semen and saliva samples off the victim's clothing. On May 25th, Chikatilo killed a woman he had actually known for several years prior to her murder, a young Miss Tatiana Petrosayan and her 10-year-old daughter Svetlana. And by the end of July, he had murdered three additional young unnamed women age 19, 21, and a 13-year-old boy. In summer of 1984, he was fired from his supply clerk job for stealing linoleum. Oh, thank God, the justice. God damn it. Jesus. He had been given an ultimatum again, but he refused as he denied the accusation. Wasn't me. The firing didn't seem to affect him because he quickly picked up another job performing the same exact task, so he was still able to unfortunately travel. On August 2nd, just one day after getting his new job, he killed a 16-year-old girl named Natalia Golovskaya, again at the same aviator park he had killed another victim. On August 7th, under the pretense of showing a girl a shortcut, one which he frequently would lure his victims to kill them, he lured 17-year-old Lykdmila Alexivia. That's weird to me because that's the same first name as his daughter, and I know I'm really butchering that, but like... No humanity, I this mean, man. I know that. I, I, well, I'm not even going to justify that. Yeah, maybe. That's yeah. a bad question. He didn't matter if he did or not because he, he clearly did horrible things yeah. anyways. He clearly didn't care. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. He lured her to the banks of the Don River. This girl had received 39 stab and slash wounds before she was mutilated and also disemboweled. Investigators stated the stabs and slashes were dealt out by her killer knowing they would not be immediately fatal, which kills me. Her upper lip had been cut off and was later found inside of her own mouth. Only hours after her murder, Chikatilo caught his scheduled business flight to the Uzibi capital, and upon return on August 15th, he killed an unidentified woman and 10-year-old girl named Akmiral Sidialyeva. 
Two weeks later, the nude body of 11-year-old Alexander Chappelle was discovered on the banks of the Don River as well, just yards away from where Luke Demela Alexeva's body was just had been discovered. The little boy had been strangled and castrated, and his eyes had been gouged out. September 6th, Chikatilo killed a young librarian, a 24-year-old named Irina Luchinskaya, also in the Park of Aviators. By this point, police... I'm getting tired of this dude. I know. Man. By this point, police were obviously feeling the pressure to solve these cases. They were efficiently decreased, increased, sorry, not decreased. They had efficiently increased their surveillance and they mounted massive surveillance operations that canvassed most local transport hubs. On September 13th, 1984, Chicatello caught the attention of a detective when they spotted him acting suspicious at a bus station. Upon following him, they observed him approaching several women and rubbing himself in public places. When he arrived at the city's central market is when they decided to arrest him, I guess. I would have watched him approach one person or touch himself in public and been like, you're you're being a fucking creep. Dude, that's not okay. That's gro- not cool. A search of his belongings revealed a... Sorry, I don't know why I put the exact measurement. It's a 7.9 and it's an 8 inch knife or 20 centimeters. Long blade. Maybe rope. that 0.9 inch matters to some people. Maybe it does. Sorry, that was a poorly timed <laughs> joke. We can cut that one out. That's okay. He had rope and Vaseline. Since he was under investigation for that linoleum theft at his previous employer. Since he was under investigation yes! for linoleum theft. <laughs> Think about that, folks. He was caught as a serial killer because he was under investigation for linoleum theft. <laughs> That's what they had him on. That's what they got like, him on. Oh, that's that sucks. Oh, but just you wait. No, no, no. The police were actually able to imprison him for three months for a number of outstanding minor charges. Here's the part that both terrifies me and infuriates me. So remember when earlier I had said that Chikatilo's so so, (laughs) fuck that was really Minnesotan. Remember when I had stated that one of us, one of us, again not appropriate for that time. Remember when I said earlier that Chikatilo's blood type didn't match the profile that they had on file? Yeah. That he's A, a and but the killer a, is, quote, a, B positive. Yes. So it's because these people fucking terrify me, which now our technology is fine. So this is not an issue. But back then, he's what they call a non-secretor. Do you know what that is? Remind me. So they're really rare individuals and only A, B or AB blood type people. So all three of those groups they don't secrete the antigens that are characteristic of their legit blood type. Got it. Okay. So their bodily fluids, such as saliva or semen that were found on the bodies of the victims, they're going to pop up as something else. So that AB blood that was found on the fence in front of his purchased secret house, mm-hmm. that was his blood, but... Just doesn't seem like his Correct. Blood. Yes, exactly. Because police weren't picking up blood at crime scenes, only saliva and semen at that point in time, because they just chalked up Alexander's you know, blood who was executed for the first murder. They just chalked that up to his blood. So mm-hmm. right now for this case, they're only selecting saliva and semen. Mm-hmm. Chikatilo was able to avoid arrest. Today, thankfully, your technology is too sophisticated to fail like this, but because he was charged with theft from previous employer and they didn't have anything solid to link Chikatilo to the murders yet, he was released after these three months. Uh. I know. So he was released in December of 1984. He did keep a relatively low profile, but August 1st of 1985, when that itch came again, he was in Moscow for a business trip. He lured an 18-year-old girl named Natalia 
Pokilostova off the platform she was waiting on, into the thicket of the woods nearby where she was bound, stabbed 38 times before being strangled to death. Police formed a hypothesis that the killer had to have traveled from Rostov to Moscow by air. So investigators quickly jumped and checked flight records from July to August. But Chicolo had indeed traveled to Moscow during this time, but by train. Of course it was. Son of a bitch, I put. <sighs> At this point, this was very frustrating for me because this he's not a super genius, this guy. He's just, I, I don't want to say lucky, but like, it's just honestly chance yeah and he doesn't he doesn't, he's not even bothering to change his mo like he still slashes the eyes he like it's very grotesque crime so like it's not he doesn't cover up the bodies he just leaves them it's just he's continuously legitimately sleeping slipping through the cracks which is amazing and both infuriating to me but mm-hmm. anyway four weeks later on august 27th chikatilo killed another young woman named irina Golevia in the same exact fashion he had executed natalia polkilstova in moscow by 1985, a special agent, Isa Kostoyev, was assigned to oversee the case. And at this point, 29 detectives were on the case of what was now a large manhunt for the psycho. They asked a profiler, thankfully, to come onto the case. And Dr. Alexander Bukhanovsky created a 65-page psychologic profile, which goes as follows. I'm just going to read the most important Spark part. Notes. Yeah, Spark notes that shit. I just did the basics to nail it. Why he, I, I don't know why. How do you make a profile that long? Anyway, page one. A lot of details, a lot of, you know, expanding words from like, isn't to like, is not. Oh, uh, yeah. make it more professional. You know when you have to make like a you know, thousand word essay and you only have yes. 995 words? <laughs> yes. Yeah, like that. <laughs> page one. Reclusive man, 45 to 50, injured painful, isolated childhood, incapacitated flirting or courting capabilities without success. <laughs> well-educated, probably married with children, but also a sadist who was impotent and only achieved sexual satisfaction by seeing victims suffer, end quote. Which I think nailed it. All except the last part seems like a very, you know, could be a wide range of people. Yeah. Which, you know, you don't really have public record of someone enjoying people suffering. Oh, yeah. You might have public record of the, the rest of the stuff. Yeah. But like I said, it, it there's probably a reason why he slipped with your cracks because that can be applied to probably quite a few guys. And another big thing that I may think made him slip through the cracks is police were strictly looking at people who had been charged with a record. Right. Because that school, the first school and the second school, never yeah, pressed. tried to brush it under the rug. Yes. Mm-hmm. If he had been charged, he would have been caught a lot sooner. Or if yeah. he had successfully committed suicide, you know. He would have all been better off. <laughs> all of, yes. All of these people Oi. would still be alive. August 18th of 1986. A victim was found actually buried, which was his first buried victim. Congratulations. Yeah, good job. Finally digging a fucking hole. I know, for fuck's sake. The wounds were matching on the MO and they were on the lookout for anybody who could ID witness anybody being found with an unnamed victim. Hmm. They did later ID her as 18-year-old Irina Porkolova. She had been, oh, sorry, this is so bad. Her throat had been slit open all the way down to her genitalia. She had one breast removed and her eyes had both been cut out. In 1987, Chikatilo killed three times. On each occasion, he was sure to kill when he was on bus trips far from Rostov and none were linked to the manhunt for the butcher of Rostov until much later, unfortunately. The first murder was that of 12-year-old boy Oleg Markinikov. Chikatilo spotted the boy at a train station and lying about having a dacha or a second seasonal home, which is common in Russia, where they could share a meal. The boy was murdered in the woods close by, but wasn't discovered until 1991. This was 80... 
Seven. Seven. Damn, so, dude. yeah, five years later. In July, a 12-year-old boy... Oh, sorry. I just I just thought, like, he was 12. His parents probably Why thought he was... Why do we talk about these sick. things? <laughs> I'm sorry. This guy's all sick fucking oh, shit. Oh, man. I'm just thinking, like, he's 12 years old. His parents probably thought he was alive or kidnapped or something for all that time. Oh. In July, a 12-year-old boy named Ivan Bilotovsky... And on September 15th, he killed a 16-year-old vocational student, Yuri Trishinok. In 1988, Chikatilo killed three times an unidentified woman who, much like other previous victims, would lured off the train platform. However, this unidentified woman had been bludgeoned to death with a concrete slab. So it wouldn't be connected to the mm-hmm. butcher for quite some time, just because she hadn't been... Sliced and diced. Yes, unfortunately. But her, her eyes and genitals had also been unscathed, so police didn't initially think that she unfortunately was connected. In May, Chikatilo killed a nine-year-old Alexei Voronoko. July 14th, 15-year-old Yevgeny Miratov. It's unclear why Chikatilo took another seven-month hiatus, because he's still the same job, same conditions. But on February 28th of 1989, he killed 16-year-old Tatiana Rosova. In his own daughter's vacant apartment, he dismembered her body and attempted to hide her remains in the sewer. The following May, though, through August, Chikatilo killed an additional four victims. Only two were linked to the Rostov River. January 14th of 1990, Chikatilo encountered 11-year-old Andrei Kravachenko outside a theater. He lured him under the pretext of imported Western films, and then Kravachenko was murdered. Seven weeks later, on March 7th, 10-year-old Yaroslav Markov lured Rostov off a train station, which, so this is his hometown, to Rostov's Botanical Garden. April 4th, 31-year-old Lubov Zugieva near Donleskos Station. He killed her in the woods. July 28th, 13-year-old Viktor Petrov, also off the Romanov, Rostov, sorry, not Romanov, Rostov train station, also in the Botanical Garden. You got that name. That was a good one. Viktor Petrov. (laughs) (laughs) On August 14th, 11-year-old Ivan Fomenwoto was found in reeds oh like near water i was like reeds what are reeds just kidding mm-hmm. near nova kirsuk beach at this point media has definitely moved off the werewolf nonsense and they're putting a ton of pressure on police which uh, i would hope rightfully so. so yes rightfully so but also again like they're looking at a very specific somebody with a record like uh, Feeling this public pressure, investigated concocted a plan to post obvious police presence at all the major stations and then undercover at smaller, more rural train stations that the killer had killed near. They hoped this would deter him from the obvious police presence and that the undercover cops at the smaller stations would then be able to essentially smoke him out. Their operation was implemented on October 27th of 1990. And October 30th, police would find body of 16-year-old boy Vadim Gromov at Donaleskos station, which I have to note, it was monitored. Like they had undercover cops at that station. This boy had been castrated, stabbed 27 times with his tongue tip severed off. His left eye had been stabbed and then he had been strangled. On the same day, police discovered Vadim's body. Chikatilo lured 16-year-old Viktor Tishkonov off the train station. His body was discovered on November 3rd with a minimum of 40 stab wounds. November 6th, 1990, Chikatilo killed and mutilated 22-year-old Svetlana Kotostik in woodlands near the Donleskos station, which is that rural station that the 16-year-old boy was stabbed from under undercover surveillance. 
He returned to the platform. An undercover cop, Igor Reikabov, noticed him at the restroom washing his hands and face. Looking closer, Igor noticed that he had a finger injury, dirt and grass on the elbows of his coat, and also noted a blood smear on his cheek. He stopped him and got his name, as his clothes and bags didn't correlate with mushroom hunting, which I guess is the only reason people go in the forest. It's like a common pastime in Russia, I guess, to mushroom hunt. And Igor, unfortunately, let him on his way. On November 6th, when Svetlana's body was discovered, she was the 38th person linked to the Butcher of Rostov, which... That's only 38? Yeah. Found. Found. Remember? Oh, man. It feels like you've listed off like 70 names. I know. I know. Yeah, bear with me. It's a lot of names and a lot of dates, which is when Andre Chikatilo's name came across their desks again with that mushroom report Eager had thankfully filed. I'm just thankful he didn't like let brush it, it off. Go. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like so many other people have. Police finally placed Chikatilo himself under surveillance when they followed him. They observed him approaching several women and children, engaging in conversation, which they would disengage. He would simply move on to another woman or child. November 20th of 1990, six days after surveillance was put on him, he was finally arrested. He denied any connection to the murders, and when they searched him, they found a pocket knife and several lengths of rope. They took his blood, and that's when they finally realized he was a non-secretor. Upon examining his finger wound to be a human bite, his fingernail had actually been bitten off and his finger bone was even broken. He denies, denies, denies. Enter our psychological profiler, Dr. Alexander Bukhanovsky, the same person that created that 65 65 novel. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He entered the interrogation room under the guise of wanting to understand the mind of a killer. Clearly flattered by this, which I have to say, that's such a narcissistic trait to Yes, let me teach you. Sociopathic trait. Yeah. Since he was flattered by this, he opened right up to the psychiatrist, providing extensive details of all the killings, which led police to previously undiscovered bodies. Chicotillo had claimed 56 victims, but only 53 could be verified. Oh, man. It's a fucking bummer. His behavior in court ranged from bored to even fucking singing. At one point, it was even reported he pulled his trousers down and waved his genitalia in the courtroom. But since he's been described as shy and impotent, I, I kind of have my doubts about this one. When he was questioned why he slashed the eyes, that's when he revealed he believed in the old Russian superstition that the face of the killer is forever locked in the eyes of the victim. He also confessed to swallowing tongues and nipples off some of his victims. And during and his trial officially started in April 14th of 1992, where Chikatilo discussed each murder in detail. The trial lasting until the fall of that year, and on October 14th of 1992, the court found him guilty of 52 out of the 53 of the murders he had been tried for. And he was sentenced to death for every single one. Fortunately, he can't die 52 or 53 or 56 times, I know. which he claimed. Ugh. I, yeah. I wish it was like a cat where like he could, not the cat, uh, cats. Dying? Not that cats obviously have nine lives, but I'm just saying, like, if he could keep coming back and then, like, you keep killing him. I don't know. Maybe that's vengeful. I'm not Uh, sure. I feel like he deserves it, though. Forever a narcissist, Chikatilo screamed profanities and kicked a bench across the cage. He was, like, put, there are pictures of him. He was put in this cage during the trial and was allowed to, like, listen. Like, he was deemed such a danger to society. They put him in a literal kennel thing (laughs) he wasn't allowed to sit at the bench with his attorneys or whatever but that was his reaction when he heard his guilty verdict and on valentine's day of 1994 chikatilo was brought out of a soundproof padded cell and was executed with a single gunshot behind the right ear 
And my only part of the story that I liked was that they buried him in an unmarked grave within the prison cemetery. <sighs> and that, that's our first serial killer. That is my long choice this week of my horrible tale of probably the first of Russian. Russian's got a lot of fucking serial killers, but that's probably one of their worst murderers. The Butcher of Rostov. Damn. This dude is seriously disturbed. Yes. Was seriously disturbed. Yeah. So, man. That he went from he went from targeting like a certain I guess type to then he's like anybody girls like young girls mm-hmm. started off with that and then went to boys and adult women and other stuff people just, he knew it even sucks yeah he had the, this guy right. I think what makes it so scary is that this guy didn't have he like drifted away from having a quote unquote victim type right to just literally a free for all except for yeah. adult men I guess but. Well, everything but that oh man this guy seriously disturbs me and <laughs> does it make you feel different about russia no <laughs> no i'm not judging russian people i know that uh, you know in america we also have serial killers and that they're all over the world oh um, i meant about visiting i guess like how we were talking on the minisode about traveling oh, in nature no i mean there's dangerous people everywhere. That's just true. You always have to be on uh, on the lookout for dangerous people. Thankfully, we do have better capabilities nowadays. Yeah. CCTV and, everywhere. Yeah. Yep. Everything's recorded. And, you know, even now to like ring doorbells and stuff like that. It's oh, all, yeah. It's all positive technology, I think, for prevention of, of different things like this. It sucks that we have to have preventative me- measures like that. But yeah. this guy proves that, you know, there are those kind of people out there. So you do have to be vigilant. Whenever you're out in public, I'm not saying that they're everywhere. I'm saying that they are the very few just messed up people in this world, but they are out there. And so, yeah, be very vigilant. Be safe out there. Just take care when, I don't know, traveling, going out in public. Be mindful of your surroundings. Be mindful of your surroundings, always. Stranger Uh, danger, 120%. Yeah, absolutely. Damn. Okay, since this one was such a shitter, do you want to do two truths and a lie to lift it up? Sure. Yeah. Are we sharing two truths and a lie? Yeah. I'm not good at this game. It's okay. Do you want to think while I do mine? Sure. Yes. Okay. All right. Ending on an uppity up because this was so shitty. My first family pet was named Smokey. My mother and I have the same middle name and I once got my hair cut in a food disposal. Uh, Your first pet's name was not named Smokey. Your first pet's name was something funny for a cat or something <laughs> something right? funny for a cat that's the lie that's my guess no that no, one is true that yeah true. okay all right. <laughs> all right so what was the lie uh my mother and i have the same middle name oh she doesn't okay. have a middle name most asians oh, don't okay but i was uh my middle name gab and i have the same middle name kelly but i was named after the nurse that held my mom's hand because my father was not there fun facts all around Helpful people. Helpful people. Mm-hmm. It's important to be kind and helpful and nice. Be nice. Mike, be nice. Mike is like, this story fucked me up. Man, I'm going to be mad about this for I'm sorry. a long time. <laughs> like, dude. Oh, oh you know when I said serial killer, it wasn't going to be good. <sighs> Not a fun thing to talk about. I know. Man. Um... I like that you knew right off the bat that I have for sure gotten my hair cut in a food disposal. <laughs> <laughs> I just like to point that yeah. out that you yeah, knew that me that well. Yep. 
All right. Oh, crap. All right, here I go. First one is that I have traveled a lot, but have never been outside the United States. The second one is that I've never had a New Year's kiss. And the third one is that I played Prince Charming when I was younger in a play. I'm going to guess the New Year's kiss is your lie. No. Damn it. Is it the Prince Charming no. one? No. <laughs> what? Yeah, I've been out of the country. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> No, Wait, I where get, have you been? I got to travel to Mexico a couple times. My, oh. Uh, we, I, I have some fun stories from uh, those trips, too. Uh, Damn it. As well as uh, I, I took a really great trip with my mom uh, when I was 18. We went to Ireland and spent 10 days <gasps> what? in Ireland. Yeah, we, Wait, um, just the two of you? Yeah, just the two oh of us. Oh, my God. Yep, that was really cool. Holy shit. Yep, so that was, that was one of my favorite all-time trips ever. Wait, coolest, just the two of you guys? Yeah, Aww. I said that already. I'm just verifying. I know. That's yeah. cute. Just my mom and I. Yeah, it was a great kind of a graduation trip, too. It was right okay. before I graduated high school. Wow. And we went, uh, we flew into Belfast and then took a bus down to Dublin. Rented so a, uh, cool. Spent two nights in Dublin and then rented a car and drove all along the southern coast, stopping every once in a while for different bed and breakfast and different sightseeing, different things. Like we stopped Whoa. at like Waterford Crystal and so drove cool. through uh, Killarney National Park and see, saw the uh, cliffs of Kilkee. Um, and then we made it up to Galway and spent two nights in Galway and, and went to pubs and museums and different things. So in, in Dublin, there is the uh, Guinness factory and we got to uh, tour, uh, tour that as well as the Trinity College and the Trinity, Trinity Library and got to see the Book of Kells, the oldest book known to man. Whoa. Mm-hmm. And I'm a history buff. I really like history. And so older than the Bible, the oldest piece of published, written, published, published. Written like book. So cool. the Bible can be traced back whenever, but like, this is the physical, wow. copy, the oldest one. Are, and you're um, Irish, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We so are, cool. uh, we are part Irish. And so, yeah, it was a really cool. And you went to, uh, Gal- trip to Galway, Galway and spent is two that nights there. Okay. Yeah. And so Dublin she and Galway were pretty great. Um, Irish band. Waterford Crystal was, was really cool as well. But she and, fell in love with an Englishman. Right. Took her by the hand and she kissed me something, something. And she ran, sings it better. My pretty little oh, Galway man. girl. No? Do you know that song? No? It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard the song before, yeah. I do I do know that song. Um, I do remember there was one time in, I think it was in Waterford, we were checking into a hotel. We had had some contact with, uh, with locals. It was mostly like the older locals and whatever else. And we went to uh, check into this hotel, and it was this young woman behind the counter mm-hmm. around my age at the time. I was 18 years old. Is that um, the legal age to drink there? It's also? Uh, 16 for beer, 18 for hard alcohol. Whoa! Um, but while I was there, I was never carded. I was asked one time at the Guinness factory, oh, are you of 18? Oh, yeah. And I said, yep. And she handed me a beer. Oh. It's like, Were you okay, bummed about that? Great. No, I, I was very happy. It was oh, very okay. easy. They also don't tip there. <laughs> and so they just, they don't do tipping. Yeah. A lot of your, uh, a lot of other countries I don't forget do tipping. about that. Yep. And um, here we're like, tip, 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 tip. Yep. And so a couple of times, like we tried to tip people and they're like, that's too much. Wow. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, that was that was a really great trip. A really fun time with my mom. And we went and tried all kinds of food and tried all kinds of beer and drinks oh God, and so cool. stuff and pub hopped a bit. And I got a great sweater when I was there. That's my Schmidt sweater. I got oh. that when I was in Ireland. 
Oh my God. I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure I told you that. <laughs> oh my yeah. God. Um, what was your favorite, favorite, favorite thing that you consumed there? Food is my favorite part about travel oh, or man. drink, but other than the Guinness, obviously, what was your uh, favorite Irish? Oh, there were so many good things. Just great pub sandwiches and burgers mm. and some uh, shepherd's pie. There was fantastic. My mouth just um, filled with saliva. Yeah, I'm pretty hungry <laughs> right now. Uh, we're gonna go eat pizza that. after this. Yeah, less satisfying. Country, but yes, I have been out of the country. Um, Damn. And I did actually spend my 21st birthday in a Canadian strip club. Nice. Yeah, Girl, <laughs> girlfriend at the time. It was her idea, actually. That was the funniest part about it. But I was up in that North Dakota. We yeah. We were an That's hour awesome. away from the border and an hour and a half away from Winnipeg. And so, yeah, I spent my turning 21. This is the, the midnight yeah. hour of going from you know the day before my birthday to my birthday was Canadian Strip Club. That's you know, <laughs> so awesome. It was funny. So, yeah, that's... That's my uh, my travel stories. Way to end us on an oh. upbeat note. And Paris when I was two, but I don't remember that one. Oh, but, yeah. damn. Cool. Wait, why was your family in Paris? Just uh, because? My mom had a pen pal when she was younger that was getting married. That Shut was... up. Mm-hmm. <gasps> oh, my God. That's mm-hmm. so cool. Yeah, they're still friends <laughs> to this day. No way. Across the pond. Yep. Across the pond. Yep. I love when people say that. Yeah. Oh, my God. Wow. But Mike. Yeah, I love the travel. Mike hit that uppity up note, like, out of the fucking park. There you go. That was yep. perfection. But that also means that I have never had a New Year's kiss and that I did play Prince Charming in a, in a play, in a musical, actually. Oh, you haven't yeah. had it. Wait. You I have, I've never have had not. a New Year's kiss. Okay. Nope. Never had a New Year's kiss, and I did play Prince Charming when I was in seventh, no, eighth grade, maybe. I don't know. One of the, Yeah, eighth grade. That's what it was. Cinderella. It's funny, I've been in relationships during New Year's, but I think the only New Year's kiss I've ever had was when a stranger kissed me at the bar and I was really disgusted. Mm, yeah. His breath smelled bad. Well, you still had one. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry this is a shitter, guys, but we'll cheer you up with a mini Monday because those are always mm. great. And since uh, Gabby is here, then I will say stay spooky. Sorry I got so elated that you said that. (laughs) Bye, guys. Gabby, where can they find our podcast? You can find Sophie's Choice Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, or wherever you like to listen. Make sure to follow and leave a review if you enjoyed this episode. Email your spooky stories to sophieschoicemurderies at gmail.com and make sure to like and follow at Sophie's Choice Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. All our links are in the show notes. We'll chat with you murderies next week. Stay spooky. Thank you.